Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I am joined this week by Don Pizzette. Don, how you doing? I am doing great. You know, just uh, attended an audit conference, which was way more exciting than you'd think an audit conference would be, but uh, ready to get back into Technado. It actually was. The panel discussion was, was really good, and uh, it was good to hear some some new ideas. And Daniel, how are you? Doing great. I uh, got to film some uh, CEH V11 episodes for IT Pro TV today, so... Always like moving the ball forward on that. That is certified ethical hacker. You nailed it. All oh, right, and eleven is Burn after version ten. Eleven, yes. Okay, <laughs> that's fantastic as well. And we are joined today by a special guest, Andrew Yusekis, who is the CTO and CISO over at ThreadX. How you doing, Andrew? Not bad. Not bad. That, that's the best that you can ask for. I feel like these <laughs> days. <laughs> <That's weird. laughs> Dealing with having to, you know, start going back to the office and stuff. Yeah, where where are you joining us from, actually? I'm joining you from Boulder, Colorado. Oh, Colorado! Wow. See, now I'm jealous when it's like 99 degrees and 99 percent humidity. We had a tropical well, storm yesterday, and just a, that was fun. Just a whole mess. But uh, it's hot here today as well. Well, you know, you're hot and our hot. I feel right. <laughs> a little different. <laughs> yeah, humidity's up to 5%. It's don't, out of control. Don't know what we're going to do with my hair. <laughs> well, uh, let's go ahead and well, jump. 20%. 20%? Okay. Oh. Well, yeah, that's, that's almost bearable. Sweltering. Yeah. Even. I have a fan in front oh. of me right now. <laughs> and, and Daniel and Don are extremely jealous. We're inside. Yeah. <laughs> You wouldn't know it. No, you wouldn't. All right. Our first segment where we get to know Andrew a little bit more is rapid fire questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Andrew. In this segment, what we do is we rapidly throw questions at you. You'll see a timer appear on the right side of your screen. You'll have approximately one minute to answer each question. If you take too long, you'll get buzzed. Oh, like this? Like that. Like like that. Hey, Very timely. Buzzer. It'll take an extra 20 seconds, yeah. and then we'll get buzzed. Which is uh, your time. <laughs> that doesn't come out of your time. And then we'll move on to the next question. Uh, we are going to rotate between each other, so the first question is coming at you from Peter. So I looked back, and I said, ThreadX, that, that sounds a little familiar, and I, and I looked back, and we did actually talk to somebody from ThreadX about a, a year or so ago, but if you could go ahead, and for those that maybe missed that episode, uh, give us a little bit of an overview of ThreadX. Yeah, ThreadX is a web application and API protection platform as a service. So uh, we take a what they call next generation approach, basically a new approach to how you deal with the web application security. So instead of looking at binary signatures and thinking, you know, okay, this looks bad, allow it. This looks bad, block it or allow it. Instead of that binary approach, what we do basically, we track the attacker over the lifetime. And uh, we make decisions as to, you know, how bad the activity that they're doing is. And then based on all that cumulative activity, uh, we assign the risk score to them. And once they reach a certain amount of risk, then we take certain actions on them. We might target them, we might block them, we might interrogate them. Now, in addition to your current titles, you you were one of the founders of ThreadX back in 2014. And, uh, you know, I, I founded IT Pro TV myself, and I know over time the company changed a lot as it grew. I'm curious for you, how has ThreadX changed since you guys got started in 2014? Well, first of all, the technology itself changed a lot. I mean, the first uh, the first version of analytics engine that we wrote was in Python, and we quickly figured out it was just going to be too slow. I mean, we have to process millions of transactions in real time, so 
Python just didn't cut it. We, we basically had to rewrite our analytics engine three times to actually achieve the the performance we wanted out of it. And obviously, other than that, you know, we're not that small of a startup anymore. We're more than 30 people now. So the growth is pretty evident. Um, it's definitely changing, changing for the for the good. Now, speaking of your current titles, I'm uh, led to believe that you are now the CTO and the CISO. What does that make your day-to-day life look like uh, now that you're donning those titles? Very busy. <laughs> so as a CTO, I basically have two departments reporting to me. That's advanced development, where we basically, that's where innovation happens. That, also, that is also where we fix complex issues. So once we encounter any kind of you know, scalability issues, any kind of uh, issues that, that we didn't predict, that's where they get solved. And another department that reports to me is the Security Operations Center, the SOC. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty busy from CTO perspective. And then CISO, CISO is more mundane. Uh, it's, you know, compliance-based stuff. So we're SOC 2 Type 2 compliant. And obviously, we have to keep up with our security posture. We are a security company after all. So we have to do all your, you know, quarterly scans, uh, yearly pen tests, and, uh, and make sure that everything is running smoothly. So that's what I do daily, I guess. So I saw a headline the other day that uh, that ThreadX raised some pretty significant capital. So you're kind of in that that growth mode right now. So what do you see on the horizon in the next six months, uh, twelve months uh, for ThreadX? Yeah. So one of the first things that that is expanding, obviously, is the headcount is increasing. So we're definitely adding uh, over the next twelve months. We're going to add a lot of headcount. In addition to that, technology is improving as well. Obviously, as you know, security is a cat and mouse game. So. Um, attackers constantly come up with the new ways of, of, you know, breaking into things. And so we need to come up with the new ways of stopping them. That That is never going to change. So having more money to, you know, increase our capabilities is a fantastic thing to do. And obviously the last thing is scalability. So we need to scale faster and, and you know, more globally. Um, so all of that is going to be helped by this round, obviously. And so you said you're over in Colorado, but uh, it looks like you guys are, are planning to open a, a new office soon? Yeah, we're opening an office in Boston as well. So we already expanded. We have, I think, over half of our employees are in Boston area at this point. So we're a two-headquarter company, if you will. Fantastic. So what would you say is the is the thing that sets ThreadX apart from your competitors? Because I feel like, you know, the, when you go to a show like RSA or, or Black Hat, you see a lot of companies that, that say they do similar things. But what is it that that, uh, that sets you guys apart? Yeah, so it is a based approach that allows us to keep false positives very, very low is obviously one of the main advantages. Um, other than that, our SOC, SOC as a service is basically what we do here as well. Uh, it's really hard to find AppSec resources these days. So us acting as an extension of your security team is something that our customers find very helpful. Uh, they don't need to craft their own rules. They don't need to deal with you know web application attacks on a daily basis. That's something that we take care of for them. All right. That makes a lot of sense. I, I feel like I know Andrew better. No. <laughs> you guys good? <laughs> yep. Good. Okay. All right. Perfect. Well, I, I know, you know, he seems like a, a very happy guy. Uh, great demeanor. But there are times when Andrew just get, gets upset. And so let's find out what triggers him there in our next segment, Grinds My Gears. You know what really grinds my gears? This Lindsay Lohan. You know what really grinds my gears? You, America. We now go to Peter for You Know What Really Grinds My Gears. 
Thank you. All right, so <laughs> I, I know we've got there's the seven layer OSI model, but it it's it's layer eight that that really ticks you off sometimes. So what is it? And that, that layer is people. So what is it about that layer that uh, that upsets you? It doesn't matter what kind of security controls you deploy. It doesn't matter what you do. You can have the best endpoint detection. You can have the best web application firewall, best firewalls, best whatever, you know. It doesn't really matter as long as you have people. So as long as you have somebody sitting in the office and clicking weird phishing emails, opening scams and clicking on and downloading executables, um, it's just not going to work that well. So, so the question is, how, how do you really solve it? I mean, um, if you look, for example, at the ransomware attacks now, the, I think the top major attack vectors that we're seeing is, first of all, web applications. If somebody you know, left some, some bad code in the web application, hackers will find it eventually, and they will exploit it. And you know, that's where we come in with our you know, solution, and we kind of protect against that. Um, and the other is phishing attacks, and that, that is a much more difficult thing to solve. Um, and, you know, in the past, I've obviously been in CISROs before. I've, I've, I've done mock phishing attacks, different security trainings and things like that. And it doesn't really matter how much of that you throw at the organization. It still seems like you still have the weaklings there. So somebody is still going to, you know, click on a phishing email, uh, and especially if you're an older infrastructure company, like the recent ransomware attacks, you know, the pipelines and meatpacking meat plants and things like that, it's all flat network. So you don't have to get into admin's computer. All you have to get is, you know, some worker's computers. And then you can pivot from there, because obviously you know, a lot of people still don't, don't pay attention to patching or the internal network and internal security portion at all. It's, you know, all free for all once you get through that initial firewall. I, I do love the irony here that, you know, we're saying, you know, people people are the problem. Like, let's just get rid of people. And then you're adding headcount, uh, opening new offices. So, uh, yeah, you, you know, you got to drink. That's what drives my gears. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's why you're upset. You're like, all oh, these people, they, these are all opportunities to fail. I, be, I feel like it would be like that Brewster's Millions um, part where he was running for mayor and this billboard says, I'll only make things worse. And that's a promise. <laughs> Don, what were you going to ask? Well, I, I know I've, I've put together a few end-user security awareness training programs before and, and tried to roll it out. For me, the, the biggest challenge was I knew people had limited attention span. So I had to pick and choose. What, what were the most critical things that I could teach these people, knowing that I would only get a certain window of attention? Uh, but... You know, what, what is your take on it? Like, should we, is there a way to build an effective training program or should we just give up on that and rely on other security controls to protect us? Well, that is a great question. And I think, you know, I don't know if there's an effective security program out there because, you know, we do the same here as well. We have quarterly security training program. Uh, so every quarter we're going to send half an hour video that, you know, people have to watch. And then they would be have to pass the basic questionnaire and it's not that complex. And still, you know, have to hound people every day at the end of the quarter. You have to do the security thing. You have to do the security thing. And it feels like, you know, once, once they pass that questionnaire, they forget about it. They don't no longer care about it. Um, I think what helps is the decentralized nature that, you know, COVID-19 created uh, to where people work from home. So you're not really sitting inside of the firewall anymore. You're not VPNing into your, into your you know, internal network and then doing everything from there. Um, so that, that kind of, you know, paradigm shift 
caused all these new security vendors to think about, you know, how can we protect that remote worker? How can we protect mobile worker? And that gives the security risk is lower, I think, because, you know, if somebody, if you're working from your home and somebody breaks into your laptop, they can't get to the internal service from there. So there is a bit more protection. But, but yes, I think, you know, we have to have more security controls and training is not going to really solve it in the end. So basically make a more secure network so that we don't have to worry about layer eight being a problem. Or just decentralize it. Just decentralize it. Why do we need the internal network? Why do we need this, you know, corporate firewall? What, what does it do these days? Everything is in the cloud. Just go into the cloud. Yeah, you know, Google has been pushing that pretty hard with their zero trust initiative, hmm. uh, you know, where they basically say, like, we don't have an internal private network. Everybody's treated as external. Uh, you know, when I when I log into Gmail to check my mail, it's not like I VPN into Google first, right? I'm just treated as untrusted. So if we treat all of our company workstations that way, then you don't you don't need some of those other technologies. So I, I could see that working. But in, in my experience, uh, a lot of that does work, but centralized management becomes a challenge. You know, inventory tracking and all those other things, which sometimes can work out well over the cloud. A lot of those systems are built designed to expect you to be on the same network, you know, using multicast to find printers on the network. And that doesn't work so well on a VPN. So there's, there's additional challenges that get introduced with it. So all, all I hear is Don's afraid of hard work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what Google grinds down to. Yeah. Well, absolutely, yeah. there are challenges. <laughs> hey, I wanna, there I wanna will be challenges, but I think it's challenges that can be solved. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like with, with the proper training and, and these technologies that those things can be addressed. I, I do want to address real quick. I know I said the tropical storm did come through yesterday. This is <laughs> tropical storm part two. Yeah, if you can hear that, it's not a train driving through the studio. <laughs> uh we are uh, we are being flooded as we speak. Actual Sitting, cats and dogs being yeah. thrown on the roof of the yeah. building right now. So we'll we'll power through though. Yeah, <laughs> we persevere. <laughs> so in terms of uh, it looks like we're getting back to a little bit of normalcy, uh, and you guys are are attending. Is it Black Hat coming up? Is, that's that's actually in person this year, right? It is in person this year. Yes, and we'll be there. Booth one nine seven one. If somebody wants to check us out, one nine seven one. When is that? Is that in July? August? August normally, right? Yes, the beginning of August. Beginning of August, perfect. So yeah, check that out. Booth nineteen seventy one. Good year. <laughs> Excellent year. I wasn't around. Yeah, <laughs> neither was I. I was told it was a good year. <laughs> Don, was it a good? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, and you guys are also uh, releasing a new API assessment. Is that something you're doing at Black Hat, or is that is that separate? I think you know some kind of release is going to be done at Black Hat, but uh, it's being released in parallel. Um, and yes, it's. Uh, Obviously, you know, APIs are becoming more of a pain point at this, at this time. So we're releasing this tool or, or part of our dashboard, part of our main tool that allows the customer to fingerprint all the API endpoints. So basically figure out, you know, what is exactly going on with the APIs? Because a lot of, you know, companies don't know. They, they might have, you know, all kinds of rogue endpoints going on out there. They don't exactly know what's sending what and where. Sure, that makes sense. So if people want to find out more about you guys, they can head over to threatx.com. And I know we, we talked about the uh, the office in Boston and, and the expansion there. Uh, so you guys are hiring. Uh, head over to threatx.com slash about slash careers. And you, you can get on board. slash careers, right? Yeah. Slash about <laughs> slash careers, yes. Yes, because Daniel will be needing something soon. Did your light just go out? You look very like Phantom of the Opera right now, Daniel. No, okay, whatever. We'll get, we'll get those lights turned up for you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, Andrew, well, we want to thank you so much for uh, coming on and, and, and venting uh, with us and, and sharing all the, the good news going on with ThreadX. We appreciate it. 
All right, and stay tuned, everybody. We're going to take a quick break, maybe let this storm pass, and we will see you back in a moment right here on TechNATO with Don Pazette. This is Josh. Josh spent $2,500 on a week of classroom training for CompTIA A+, and got certified. Josh got a good job that pays $40,000 per year. This is Jeremy. Jeremy only spent $299 on a full year of training from IT Pro TV, including A and 300 other courses. Jeremy also got a great job that pays $40,000 per year. Jeremy used the more than $2,200 he saved on IT training for a fabulous tropical vacation. Now, Jeremy is still using his IT Pro TV membership to study for Network Plus and Security Plus to advance his career, but not spending any more money. Since all three are included in his IT Pro TV membership plus 300 more courses. Don't be like Josh. Choose IT Pro TV for your IT training. All right, welcome back to TechNATO with Don Pazette. Thank you so much to Andrew for joining us and uh, telling us really about all the things to be worried about. And making me want to replace all the employees with robots. Yeah. And luckily, I don't have any say in that. Yeah. Not IoT robots, because then they'll just be hacked and become a part of a botnet. Right. Yes, air-gapped robots. That's right. I'm sure you'll be perfectly safe as someone who works in marketing. That's There's no way that could be automated or replaced no. with robots. Robots can't do creativity. Uh. <laughs> Neither just... can most marketers. <laughs> Unless, yeah. Zing! Unless you give them enough uh, uh, elderly medication. Uh. So they can That's right. Then do That's it. all you need. Unless you have old, old glory. Take care of you. All right, let's take a look at the news right now. Our first article comes to us from Tom'sHardware.com. Sonnet launches Duo Moto Thunderbolt 3 expansion boxes. The new enclosures allow to attach AIBs to Mac Minis and TB3 notebooks. Duo Moto sounds like something that Motorola would have come up with. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it's D Duo Moto. So, so what exactly are these? I'm not sure. I completely understand this. All right. So when you buy a Mac, uh, so that's kind of where we start this <laughs> whole journey, right? So if you don't buy a Mac, you don't care about this. So you take out a loan, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. I shouldn't say you don't care about it because these actually can work with Windows. I have used huh. one on Windows before, uh, but they're really designed for a Mac. When you buy a MacBook Pro or a MacBook Air, you buy a Mac Mini, they are no longer upgradable, right? You, you have no room to add in any extra hardware or add-in boards, AIBs. So if you want to add a high-end GPU, you can't. If you want to add in a fiber network adapter, you can't. You've got to hope that you can find a USB one or maybe uh, maybe a Thunderbolt one that you can plug in. Uh, but you've got really limited options. And so what the Duomoto boxes do is they basically give you external PCI Express ports or slots that are able to connect into the Thunderbolt bus. Thunderbolt is fast enough to be able to carry the PCIe traffic. And so they've, they've released a few different models. And one model is just a box that has basically three uh, enough space for three PCIe cards. Although if you've got like a, a high-end GPU is going to take up all three of those spots, uh, so you might not be able to get three cards in it. But then it's Thunderbolt to your machine, so you could add a high-end graphics card to your Mac Mini or to your MacBook. But they're not really designed to hook to a laptop. You know, things that come and go, PCI is expected to be there at boot time, so it's a little sensitive. But many people still use, well, you know, Apple discontinued Macs as a server, but there's still a lot of people out there who use macOS as a server. You know, they'll take Mac minis and rack them up. Well, they have a Duomoto box that has room for a Mac mini 
and room for the PCI Express boards, and it's rack mountable. So now you can basically get like a Mac OS server if you want, even though Apple doesn't release one themselves. I just feel like the whole time you were telling us what we would want to do, and then Apple saying you can't. Yes. It was just like, I want a high-end GPU, straight to jail. Right. <laughs> yeah. I would like to add some storage right to jail. Yeah. Surprisingly, <laughs> yeah. it, it is kind of sad. You know, if you were to if you use Windows or Linux, you could do this with off the shelf components, not a big yeah. deal. But in Mac world, you've got to go and buy this proprietary hardware. It's very expensive. Uh, you know, they they, no. they started at six hundred bucks. What? Uh, and that's just for the but the, the box. Just for the case. But if yeah. you can afford a Mac, I mean, yeah. you're good. So yeah. so I've seen a few of the the hubs that that people can attach that have that seem to take like both of the Thunderbolt ports on one side. Does this need more than one port? Because you're saying uh, it, it is fast enough, but at the same time, that's a lot of stuff, I feel like, to be going off of potentially one port. So most of the hubs will take two ports okay? because one port is what they're connecting all the other weird ports they have to. So it, it might be... Uh, uh, the HDMI, got, the USB. Yeah, the, okay. the old-style USB, the headphone jack, whatever else. They, so that's taking it one. And then the other is usually a pass-through Thunderbolt, so that if you're plugging in a Thunderbolt monitor... Because you can daisy-chain Thunderbolt mm -hmm. monitors, but you can't do that if you've already split the port off. And so that's why they take two. Some of the really cheap ones will do a pass-through on that second port for the power adapter, but you shouldn't have to do that. You know, mm -hmm. if, it's, if it's a high-grade one, you won't have to split that off. So, uh, so that's why they take two. In this case, it does just take one because the device itself has its own power supplies. And depending on which one you buy, it might have one or two power supplies, uh, but it, it just takes one and you could daisy chain off of it. So, so you could have a lot of these going. I mean, they show it in the rack here in the photos. So you could have several of these like cooked together and, and all coming back and have like a really powerful gaming or editing station as well. Yeah, I, I think the one in the picture is actually showing multiple Mac minis. So if you were to have like 10 Mac minis, you want to stick a GPU on each one of them. Maybe you're trying to create a render farm or something. You could do that. But it wouldn't be like you could hook 10 GPUs to one Mac mini. That You would eventually saturate that PCI bus. Okay, Don, I want you to sell me on this. Why would I not just go, oh, I'm going to get rid of all my Mac stuff and go with an off-shelf solution with a PC-based uh, solution and, sure. and just do that? So there are some companies and businesses out there that have gone all Mac. And if you're in an all-Mac environment, then you like things like Time Machine. And so you want to be able to do Time Machine backups to centralized storage. You want to use XSAN and all that Apple-only stuff. And so in those scenarios, you want to stick with it. And, and Apple used to support that because they had yeah. the server add-on. And now the server add-on has been like completely crippled down to just the profile manager. So it's not super effective anymore. But people still do it. Yeah. And there's a market for it. This is really targeted to people who are doing graphics editing, AutoCAD, people who need a GPU. Hmm. right? This is how we stick on a high-end GPU and not just what Apple offers you out of the box. So if I'm hardcore sold out for Apple... That's why I'm going to do this. Yeah. But, <laughs> I'm not sold out. If you're bought in. If you're Bitcoin mining or, or yeah. you're a gamer or whatever, you just don't use a Mac. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Though I bet with, with China's uh, change in their stance on Bitcoin mining, there's a lot of cheap hardware out there you can mm. buy right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was a, one of the Bitcoin mining companies announced they were, they were halting all sales of new equipment to give all these Chinese Bitcoin mining farms a chance to sell their used equipment oh, wow. now they're not allowed really? to mine anymore. Yeah. Wow. And so there is used hardware getting dumped on the market. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with all that. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's still like if you try and get an RTX 3080 card right now, you can't. 
mm-hmm. you know, the, the retail price for them is like $1,200, and you go on eBay, and they're selling for over two grand. Oh, wow. Uh, so people are actually scalping the cards because Bitcoin miners have been using them. So now that all these Bitcoin rigs are going to be open, that's going to flood the market with them, and they're well, going to drop the price? They keep saying that, but it's only China that's cracking down. And I don't want to say only China. That's like a quarter of the Earth's population. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. So a lot of people, Don. <laughs> there's still the whole rest of the world where they still Bitcoin mine. That's true. Right? And, they, and they might just be moving these mines to, you know, other oh, offshore other places. Yeah. 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 And just cloud control. There's an island yeah. in the South China Sea. Uh, yeah, you know, there's just <laughs> this massive... Yeah. People are starting to realize how much power it consumes. Oh, yeah. And so countries like Iran is going through this, where hmm. Iran's like, you know, they have mostly state-subsidized power. Right. And when they're having blackouts and things, they're realizing, wait a minute, it's because we're pissing away 90% of our energy on Bitcoin, <laughs> and we need to rein that in to actually support our regular people. Listen, I need that Ethereum, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I need my air conditioning. That's I live right. in Iran. <laughs> yeah. I think that's more important. All right, well, let's uh, get back on topic in our next story here from ArsTechnica.com. Yeah, we did go way off on that. Didn't yeah. We? yeah, we did. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I like, cut bit. us into a whole new... I mean, that, that's a big story. This it was week, worth though. the ride, though, so, I think. Yeah, it was good times. <laughs> All right. CentOS replacement distro Rocky Linux's first general release is out, and the CentOS co-founder's new distro uh, hit general availability today, and today was, what, yesterday? <laughs> June 21st. June 21st, so... <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, is this uh, is this one that, that we should try? So uh, two weeks ago, we announced how Alma Linux had their first release, and they are designed to be a RHEL clone. They take the Red Hat Enterprise Linux source code and compile it uh, to give you basically a CentOS replacement. Many people have had to move away from CentOS because it's now not aligned with RHEL like it used to be. So Alma Linux was one of the first ones to have major funding and a company behind it to get it going. Rocky Linux is now the second one. So now we've got two. And uh, Peter, you had asked me in that that other podcast whether I'd had a chance to try them. Yes. Uh, and so I have actually had a chance to try both of these now. And I will tell you that they are practically identical. And that makes sense because they're just taking the RHEL source code and compiling it. The idea is you should end up with the same basic thing except with logos and names changed. Uh, if, if they're doing the jobs right, that's what it should be. And so that, that is what I found. They are both basically identical. Uh, there are some different support features available from the different organizations, but I would say it's still too early to tell which one is going to stick around. That's really what this boils down to is not who's doing great today, but who's going to be doing great two years from now, five years from now. I don't want to move infrastructure over to a platform that I don't know is going to be around. That you know, I need them to be able to support it. So now the two big players are out there. We do still have Oracle Linux and a couple others that are out there that are also RHEL clones. So uh, you know, time time will be the the test, and uh, and we'll see. You know, maybe maybe by January we'll have a, a good idea of who can keep up with the patchwork. Yeah. You know, you, you got to constantly update with all the security updates. Who's able to do that? Uh, and then somebody will kind of hit the as the forerunner. So what, what's what would you say is typically the uh, the main motivator for getting religious zealots to you know. I'm I'm all the Linux and I will murder your family if you yeah anything speaks <laughs> against it you know or no it's Rocky Linux for me like what causes that and who's going to win that war in your estimation? Well, you know you get that with other Linux distros where they're somewhat yeah. original, right? Like Ubuntu is a, a, a fork of Debian, right? right? Or it's based on the same code base, right? But they're two very different operating systems. Uh, config files are sometimes renamed. Package names don't always match. Certainly a different default install, right? Really mm. different focus. Uh, Ubuntu's got the six month rolling release cycle Debian it's a eventually we do a release cycle you know a little bit different uh, so there's differences that make people really want to get religious over it right mm. 
But when we're talking RHEL versus Alma Linux versus Rocky Linux versus CentOS, for most of them, you're just talking about a logo change. So it's which logo do you like better? Uh, but with actual RHEL, you can get commercial support and you have to pay for it. Mm. So it's, it's got a little bit of a difference. So I, I doubt we'll see, and I'll be totally wrong, but <laughs> I, I doubt we'll see Religious Wars break out over Alma versus Rocky. Yeah. But you never know. It, it just takes one of those dev teams to make a crazy decision. Uh, and sometimes it's not even related to the code, right? Like one yeah. will come up with a community standard of practice, yeah. right? Where they define uh, community behavior. They that's use the allowed. wrong IRC client and then just. You're in the t- you're in the crapper at that point. Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> and and so something like that might happen. Hasn't happened yet. No. Okay. Yep. All right. For our next article, I feel like Don <laughs> wrote an AI that just made a headline uh, <laughs> that was just designed to to screw with me. So I'm going to give this a try, uh, just for clear uh, clarity's sake. Before I start, seven uh, nm was that nano nanometer nanometer. Okay, I was correct there. All right, I'll give this one a try. Neuromicrons. I thought it was nano monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it is, it, it, it is nanometers? It is nanometers. Okay, because yeah. you said something else then. <laughs> I can't tell when you nutmeg. guys are screwing with me. It's, it's, it's seven nutmegs. Okay, seven nutmegs. <laughs> it's a unit they use in uh, Christmas time. All right, uh, this one is from Tom'sHardware.com. Intel to adopt Sci-5's new high-performance P550 RSIC V cores with seven nanometer platform. Up seven seven nanometer Horse Creek with a two billion dollar paddle. That's a great <laughs> joke. Uh, I don't understand any of the words I just said. <laughs> what happened? Well, you, uh, you almost had it perfect. Okay, what yeah. uh, it is Risk V or Risk yeah, Five? Risk v. Uh, oh, R I S C dash V is Risk Five. Okay. Yeah. Oh, five. Yeah. yeah. Roman numerals. Uh, but most people do say Risk V for whatever reason. Uh, but either one works. So uh, basically, this is this is actually pretty big news. Uh, we have seen uh, risk processors kind of coming back to to the forefront uh, many many years ago uh, 30 years ago 40 years ago you know in the early days of computing uh, processors really weren't that powerful and so they had to use a reduced instruction set they can only do simple things but as processors got more advanced we got complex instruction set or CISC CISC computers and so what we use today like our regular Intel like our uh, i5 i7 i3 whatever uh, the AMD processors those are all CISC processors they're complex they handle large uh, instruction sets but when we had Spectre and Meltdown and all these things, uh, there was that exploit in the management engine that was built into Intel CPUs, and everybody freaked out because it's a secret system running inside of your computer. Well, people really got concerned about that, and some projects and initiatives launched to create an open-source CPU, a CPU where we had visibility into everything that happened inside of it. And the RISC-V, or RISC-V, uh, architecture is one of the results of that. It's designed to be an open source CPU architecture where you can pull the full specs and see literally every single thing that CPU does. Well, in order to provide that, you know, you need a reduced instruction set. It can't be too complex or it becomes too hard to document. Uh, just ask Intel where their documentation is constantly missing things. So, uh, but in this case, RISC-V was one, and we just didn't know who was going to make it. Right? Uh, open source projects like these are usually fine when they're software, but when they're hardware the majority of the time they fail. Every now and then you get a Raspberry Pi that emerges, but even they're not completely open source. There's a few proprietary things on a Raspberry Pi. But with RISC-V, it is completely open. And so uh, I think what we're seeing now is that that they're showing that they're going to make it. The Sci-5 is a company that makes RISC-V-based 
dev boards and things. They haven't mass produced anything on a huge scale, but it's been dev boards or developers who want to create operating systems that will run on a RISC CPU and, and software applications, people like that. Uh, well, Intel has taken note of it. And these new processors perform really, really well. They beat out ARM CPUs in a number of tests. And so they look like a potential future forward. And so Intel is buying into that. Uh, Intel's had a lot of problems lately with innovation. So they, they had put a ton of money into their 7 nanometer fabs, and they failed. They weren't able to create processors in the right yield amounts. And that allowed AMD to step forward and Apple with their M1s. And, and so all these people are now beating Intel. And so the writing's on the wall. They got to do something new. And it looks like they're going to be putting at least some of their bets on Sci-5 and their RISC-V processor. So we'll we'll see what happens in the future. Seven nanometer fabs just made me think of seven minute abs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, way, way better than eight. Uh, I always oh, think yeah. of Robin Fab, the uh, uh, Millie Vanilli. Oh, yeah. wow, yeah. Was see that the one that you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, so I, which one? I can't take the pressure of my. Foibles in life. Yeah, yeah, happens. Uh, so, where are these chips these days? I mean, are these in devices that that I use? You know, Chromebooks and regular laptops um, and things. Or? No, uh, but the odds are you do see them. So, reduced instruction set is really popular with proprietary systems, industrial controls, uh, like magnet locks on doors, things things that are fairly simple or okay. really super proprietary. You'll usually see a risk processor in those. But over time, you know, there, there's no reason a risk processor can't be used for our desktop. Uh, it just typically hasn't been that way. So, is Sci-Fi actually producing and manufacturing these? Chips, they are, <clears throat> but yep. they're just not doing it in mass quantities. And Intel's looking to go right. Oh, I can do that. Intel is shifting gears a little bit, and they're saying, "All right, we may have screwed up our own processors, but what if we offer to manufacture processors for other people?" Hmm. <laughs> and so that's like their new business model yeah. they're looking into. So they may start mass producing them for sci-fi. That sounds yeah. cool. All right. Well, now I can read that headline and know what all those <laughs> words mean. That's fantastic. <laughs> All right, next up, over from Pharonix.com, Intel's latest CPU microcode update isn't all that scary. So now we are talking about uh, about Intel's side. So what is up with the microcode update? All right, I, I mentioned Spectre and Meltdown a moment ago, uh, unintentionally, but it kind of ties into this. Uh, you guys might remember when Spectre and Meltdown came out that they had to create some mitigation, some way to block that attack. And if you turned on those mitigations, it hurt the performance of your system. Sometimes upwards of 40% of your performance was eroded just to mitigate these attacks. And it led to many people thinking, is it actually worth it? And I'll say most of the time, no, it's not worth it. Uh, but but for, for some people, you know, they would choose to disable the attack mitigations to be able to get the system to run faster. Hey, a 40% performance boost is a pretty big deal. Well, on Wednesday... Intel rolled out another microcode update that patched a Spectre or a Meltdown-like attack. And many people started throwing messages out on Twitter and, and whatever else the kids use these days. TikTok, to say, the TikToks. Uh, on yeah. TikTok, uh, about how, uh, you know, hey, your computer's going to start running slower on Wednesday. Watch out, Intel's screwing you again. And, you know, jump over to AMD. Well, the team over at Pharonix, which is really just Michael Larabelle, uh, so <laughs> Michael, uh, he does performance benchmarks, and he, he's probably one of the best at it. He's always putting them out. 
He went in and took a look and did a test on the microcode update. And what he showed after running his benchmarks across multiple different pieces of hardware that had all taken the update, uh, that it's a very, very insignificant change. In fact, uh, he makes the argument that it's not measurable, that the wow. it's within the standard deviation of a benchmark. And so it's not even a measurable uh, amount at that point. So this latest one, if you hear people warning you, oh, make sure you don't take that latest Intel update. Well, that's just FUD, right? The fear, yeah. uncertainty, and doubt. Um, it's not something you actually need to worry about. So, Peter, we need to go ahead and cancel that TikTok where you were going to shuffle dance on yeah. Intel processors. That's my bad. So, yeah. yeah. Put yeah. the XNA on that. We'll, we'll <laughs> do a new a new one where I um, I dance about uh, risk processors <clears throat> and ah, be in good. a positive way. I like it. There we go. All right. Good to know. <laughs> All right. I want to show you, uh, for those that are, are watching, this next one. I, I don't have the ad blocker. Um, this, you actually can't see this the article. This is how at all. much of the headline I see. This is the article <laughs> down here. It's the width of my fingernail. Uh, <laughs> and the rest is an ad for Discover Card and T Row Price. Um, and, and this is CNN, right? It's not CNN. like some fly by yeah. night. Yeah. <laughs> As I scroll down, it, all of a sudden the ad starts to do a little vanishing act. But then CNN I got to scroll what? back up to read the headline. So, yeah, we're going to CNN.com for this next one. A new problem for Peloton, or Peloton owners hacks. And the problem before was death, I believe, with the <laughs> treadmills. So I feel like we're trending in the right direction. But yeah. what's the worst thing that can happen from a Peloton hack that somebody tells you to keep pedaling? And then like until you're, you just have a heart attack? Would you like to play a game? Yeah, like, don't stop yet. <laughs> oh, my God, oh, it's no. been four hours. Yeah. So when, when Jigsaw's your Peloton instructor. Well, that'll motivate you, right? Yeah, you're going to go. Yeah, you go. Get them calories off. So it uh, uh, turns out that there is a, or was, a security vulnerability in Peloton cycles, uh, and specifically in the really expensive ones, the ones that they use in your gym and other places. And I say your gym because I don't go to one. Uh, <laughs> so uh, actually, wait, Peter, don't you have a Peloton? No, I I, have the, I use the Peloton app on, oh, a, okay. on a spin right. bike at home, but... Uh, yeah, I want. I wonder if that. I, I mean, I, I assume that wouldn't have the same nope. vulnerabilities because that's on an iPhone. The app it's is gone fine. through different yep. processes. The app is fine, and the the cheaper Peloton is fine. It's the more expensive one, the one that has the full camera where the trainer can see you, mm. and and you know you're participating in the class, and doing that whole rigmarole. 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 Sure. That's hard okay. to say. Yeah. Uh, so anyhow, there is a vulnerability, and if an attacker can get physical access to the Peloton, which is probably easier in a gym-like setting where people mm. are in and out yep. all the time, yeah, that it's fairly trivial for them to modify it so that they can have remote access to the video feed of the Peloton so they can Ooh. watch you work out, uh, which is a little fun. bit creepy. Yeah. Um, it's so weird. People are weird. Like, yeah. Why would you want to watch somebody just work out? It's not like that's in any way entertaining. Yeah, the places where people put cameras when I they're arrested, I'm like, it. really? That? Weirdos. Yeah. 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 I, uh, personally, I'd put the camera in somebody's freezer so you can see every time they're getting <laughs> yeah. dessert. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, what are you doing? <laughs> That's practical. Sticking jigsaw. It's <laughs> well, in mean, my I, freezer. I guess the good thing is here, in in most cases, that if you have that bike and, and it's in that kind of setting, like a gym, a hotel or something, these are already public places where, hey, if there's a camera watching you, you know, yeah. you're already expecting other people to be in the room. But, I mean, there is a chance, I guess, you could have this version in your home and, and a worker could come oh. in and... And, and put this code yeah. on your... There's another attack vector here that they could replace like the Netflix or Spotify apps that are run on the cycle uh, to be able to intercept your credentials or okay. you know, prompt you to re-enter your billing data or something like that and, and get it. So that would be a little more effort. Hmm. Uh, but, you know, it just it goes back to the whole Internet of Things that a lot of these devices that we have their Internet connected are just not as secure as they 
as you would think they would be. And Daniel, you've dealt with this, right? The oh, IoT? yeah. Yeah, we, we actually did a webinar on it and how you can like mess with these things. And yeah, they're really cool and they're super convenient. But a lot of times these IoT developers are not um, going forth with security in mind. They're just trying to get a product out and make the money. And that's understandable. But you as the consumer get to eat that as you bring that thing home, plug it into your network, yeah. and now all of a sudden you're exposing yourself because you just wanted to lose a few pounds on a really cool bike. Literally exposing the, yourself. The, <laughs> which <it> very <laughs> well may be the case. Right. Well, yeah. a lot of people, you know, the Peloton's in the bedroom. It's yeah. next, so, right. you know, if this is something that hits, uh, you know, the, the other versions uh, of, of this device. But you'd have to have physical that, yeah. access, they said. So For the, for this right. specific thing, but it makes you just think about security for this kind of device. Like Going back to the freezer thing, though, I'm at, <laughs> now I want to take a Raspi and get some, like, holographic projectors and make that scene in Ghostbusters where Zool shows up in the freezer. <laughs> There's a little temple in the background. Yeah, yeah. Is there a temperature issue with that? Okay, will a Raspi work at, at those I levels? think it would. I it think it goes to like warm, negative so. 40 Celsius or something. Yeah. Is, is but is it going to make your your freezer work you would, overtime you because would at least the heat be able to do off. it for a little bit of time, enough to film it and put it on TikTok. Oh, sure. <laughs> and maybe you could put the, the Raspi in the back and just drill a little hole through oh, there the, you go. The Your the biggest challenge would be moisture. Yeah. You'd have to find some way to keep moisture off of it. I would say that's my biggest challenge in life. Chafing. I am. I assumed it was suntan. (laughs) Speaking of cameras in the bedroom, I'm thinking about that now. I have the uh, Alexa, uh, the Echo Dot, um, the Mm -hmm. the little ball that's got the camera. And every night I I lay down next to that and And look at the clock and go to to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you sleep a little sounder knowing that uh, Jeff Bezos is watching out for you from space. He's like stroking a Persian cat. Yeah. That's where I need. I have a webcam cover on this one. All I do in front of this thing is work. (laughs) That's the one where I need, you know, because things happen there. (laughs) Things happen. Sure they do. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm uh, not. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing good. Yeah. You can see my my yeah. spin bike from there, and it's obviously working well. I mean, look at me. All right, uh, let's move on to our next segment, which today is that makes no sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. What you talking about, Willis? All right, this one comes to us from CBSNews.com. Extorted by ransomware gangs, the payments may be tax deductible. As they should be. <laughs> and this just makes me think we are just rampant for tax fraud here. Yeah. Just going, hey, I'm, I'm going to have to pay a little bit this month. Can you just, yeah. uh, just cyber tech me real quick? I'm just little, yeah. send a little bit your way. Uh, yeah. If I had to sum it up, it would just be we are screwed. <laughs> <laughs> We as individuals, Americans, as country, yeah, yeah. Okay. you know. So the uh, the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security, or uh, wait, what do we call them now? Department of Homeland? No, it is still yeah, DHS. Right. Yeah, DHS. Right. Yeah. Um, so the DHS has come out and said multiple times, "Do not pay the ransom." When you pay the ransom, that simply incentivizes the criminals to do this more. And we know people are paying the ransom left and right. Uh, we see about it in the news all the time. Uh, well, it turns out. Some accountants did a little bit of digging, read through the tax law, and asked the IRS a few questions. And sure enough, it turns out that by the definition of an expense, you're spending money to restore services in your company. That means you can write off your ransom payment. And so now several senators are looking at this and other professionals that are, are just in the security industry yeah, and saying... Senators are saying, are all my extortion payments deductible? Because, <laughs> man, I get blackmailed like yeah, every every day. Yeah. Yeah. So they're looking at it and they're saying, how can we, on one hand, be telling people not to pay the ransom and on the other hand say, well, if you do pay it, you can write it off on your taxes. So it's created a bit of a... a, a 
uh, mixed messaging, yeah. I guess, a double standard. A kid's twenty-two, double standard. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe if they said that your your payments to a cyber insurance company were deductible, but all the cyber insurance company is doing in, in a lot of cases, we found, is just paying the ransom for yeah. you, right? And I think I think all insurance is tax deductible, even for individuals. I don't think that's just a business thing. Okay, so. I think so. Did not know that. Well, maybe well, I'm, I'm not an accountant. Let no, me throw can, that out. I'm not a CPA. Can I, uh, can I tax deduct your ransom payments? That would be great. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. Maybe uh, they should make it so the expenses related to backing up your data is tax deductible. Ah, so if I get like a, a drive or a gla- cloud platform. Yeah, so you're incentivized to yeah. do it that way. Because right now you're saying like literally at the end of the year you can go, hey, we're, we got a little bit too much. Go ahead and hit me with one. I'll, I'll send you a million on yeah. the old Bitcoin, make yeah. a new wallet. Yeah, it back. you make a top ten percent, and you give me some of my money back, and yeah. everybody's happy. Well, yeah, you know, incentive yeah. incentive is a big part of this, though, right? Like, let's let's back up to Peloton. Yeah. So, so they just had a security incident. So, one response might be, "Hey, we should hire a code audit team, somebody who's reviewing our our source code, our hardware, looking for exploits. You know, basically, um, uh, what, what is an internal penetration test?" Like a white box testing. Like a white box test, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so testing that hardware, looking for security exploits, and really, really doubling down on that. You know, yeah. we could spend a million dollars a year to hire this team of people that do that, right? But what they're thinking is, we we could do that, but we didn't lose any money on this, so we could not do that. And they're looking at the the end of the pandemic. A lot of people bought pelotons going into the pandemic. Like, well, I'm at home, I can work out now. Yeah. And so they're about to see a sales dip, and they're probably thinking, well. We dodged the bullet on this one. It's already patched, and that's that. And there's no incentive right. for them to, to roll that out. So you'd have to think of some way to incentivize that for companies. And unfortunately, the government usually takes a weird stance, like in, in the EU, where they said, the way we'll incentivize you is by creating huge penalties. And then that way, if you if you don't do your backups, if you get you know bad security practices put in place and you get hacked— you now have to pay these millions of dollars in fines. And so that, that's frustrating for small and medium business. All right, I've got an idea. Maybe we take like China's model um, where... You uh, shoot the people? No, when, <laughs> when you're hacked, uh, the government just Which goes... Is not funny. Oh, let, let me just give you your data because we have all your data backed up anyway. So uh, here's your gotcha. data. So we all just send our data to and the federal government. And then they shoot us? And then they shoot <laughs> oh, us, yeah. Okay, okay. With a tank. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this podcast is no longer aired in China <laughs> yeah. because of that. But uh, yeah, we just send all of our data to the U.S. government. They back it up and... Don't look at it because they pinky swear. Yeah. And then, you know, they just get See, it I was thinking like we do like a deep fake of people that didn't do that stuff. And then you get like all these actors deep faked out where it's like the head of the Department of Homeland Security, like mm-hmm. beating the piss out of somebody that didn't do it with mm-hmm. a stick. Right. Just working on like they owe them money. Right? Yeah, see, I'm more caring. You see stiff. what happens to you when you don't back up. You know, and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go get that right now. <laughs> <laughs> That reminds me of uh, uh, on Saturday Night Live. They had The Rock. He was like a anti-smoking yeah. product. Nailed it. And if you if you started to smoke, oh, he was like slap you. you in the yeah. face. <laughs> yeah, seems effective. It would yeah. work. It would work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not smoking. <laughs> well, we could take the, uh, the the force and the might of the um, American U.S. military and uh, just turn I think them just loose one on good example. 
Yeah. That's all it takes. Yeah. Public hey, display. Hey, Equifax. <laughs> you know, I, I think there are some things that the government has done, like, you know, the NIST guidance documents. Yeah. Those are really nice. They like, are really if, nice. You, yep. if you want suggestions on how to harden your network, you go to NIST, you can pull some of that. But it's kind of like just a start. Yeah. It'd be nice if they expanded that out to include uh, more in-depth security hardening guides or, or software packages and, and things. They, they used to do that. They really haven't released much recently, hmm. which is, is odd. So maybe they're working up something. By the way, all that hitting people stuff was a joke. That's not real. <laughs> Disappointed. I no Don't longer, do that. I no, no longer have the Beavis and Butthead clip on here, but when you said harden your network, I was going <laughs> to play there laughing. But oh well. I'll get that. I'll get that on That was not week. a joke. He really likes that. <laughs> yeah. All right. I uh, want to let you guys know about a webinar coming up. We're doing in the month of July will be CompTIA month here at IT Pro TV. We're focusing on talking about those certifications. We're going to do a few of those um, uh, interviews here on TechNATO as well. We're going to have Dr. James Stanger on here uh, as well as others. But uh, the first webinar is Explore Next Level CompTIA Cyber Security Certs. What makes sense for you? And that's with Patrick Lane, um, who is uh, you know one of the guys in charge of, of helping put together those certs. So going to talk about those higher level CASP, um, CISA Plus, Pentest Plus, those kinds of things. So that one should be exciting. And that's uh, Thursday, July 8th at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Head over to itpro.tv slash webinars and you can sign up for that. And we'll have another CompTIA one later in the month as well. We've got all the archived ones there that you can check out as well, the ones from the past. And uh, while you're on the internet, head over to technay.do, and uh, you can see all our latest episodes, send us some viewer mail uh, or listener mail, and uh, you can subscribe and find out all the, the great things about Technado there and, and look behind the scenes. And you can also hit the big orange button that says Sponsored by IT Pro TV, and you can find out about a 30% off coupon code for the lifetime of your personal plan. You can also request a team trial for your business and find out all the great features available to teams from IT Pro TV. And, uh, yeah, did, did Dayon give you either of you guys a, a note or anything? I told him, I told him, I said, if you want to have a response to all the things I'm saying about you, because <laughs> he was in town last week, I said, just hand Don or Daniel a note and we can, no. we can read a, a, a statement. No. Nothing. No? Well, Apparently he's not, uh, not intimidated by you in any manner. Typical mm. Croatian, just backing <laughs> down from a... Jeez. No, that's... I love the, the people. Jokes again, jokes. Croatia. Jokes. Just not the one person. Yes. <laughs> happens to be. Yeah, happens to be. In spite of his Croatianness, he's yeah. just a... Actually, you would think because he's from Croatia, he would have been awesome. You buddy. would expect that, <laughs> yeah. but you'd be, you'd be horribly wrong. I love, I'm enjoying the backpedaling, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to issue an apology tomorrow. Yeah. My apology will be on technado.com. Yeah, go check or that out. I sadly do not know anything of Croatia's history, so I don't... <laughs> No. It was they Yugoslavia, the Serbians, right? right? I know that. Right? Well, Yugoslavia was all that. Was it Bosnia, Serbia? There was a lot of crazy things that happened after Montenegro. the breakup of the you know USSR. Mm. So, Herzegovina, Bosnia Herzegovina, yeah, yeah, that place. Yeah. Beautiful though. Beautiful. So they say. <laughs> all right. Well, we've made it through the storm. Uh, thank you uh, to Andrew from ThreadX for joining us earlier. Thank you guys. Don, I think you're off next week, but yep. uh, I think we're going to get a special guest in here, and we'll talk a little bit about the expected Microsoft announcements coming soon. Mm. So we will see you guys next week right here on Technado with Don Pizzette.